I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, a 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Tune in each week at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation. And now you can call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And remember to like us on all of our social media platforms. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks on all the usual suspects except for Instagram. We have not got our account restored yet, and we are at CGW underscore backup on Instagram. So if you would like us and subscribe wherever you get your 2A, uh, excuse me, wherever you get your social media feed, and like, share, subscribe, comment, that'll help us defeat the evil algorithms as we're a gun company in a non-gun-friendly social media world. There are some friendly social media sites out there like Telegram and Rumble, Truth Social. Um, So anyway, uh, like and subscribe on all of those. Um, We're going to be going straight to your questions and uh, your calls on this first segment. Usually I kind of monologue, but we have some guests. We're going to be joined with Bill Whittle from BillWhittle.com, and we also have Clint Macro from the Trigger Pressers Union joining us as well. So really looking forward to that. Um, But anyway, so let's jump right into it. It's been a couple of weeks. I was off on vacation, so we had some pre-recorded shows that were probably old news by the time they aired. And uh, so I wanted to jump right in and answer some of your questions. Uh, Jasper wants to know, what physical changes do companies like SIG and Smith & Wesson do to their handguns to get the magazines from 17 rounds down to 10 rounds? A lot of them just put a couple of dimples in the side of the magazine, and I want to invest in one of these uh, machines myself so that I could dimple the steel or dimple the metal because these magazines are like really, really hardened steel. Uh, so you can't just use like a nail set or, or a punch or something and, and dimple the sides. But they limit the follower from going down and the rounds hit it when the, they're being loaded into the magazine. So it limits them to 10 rounds. So that's really the most common limiter that I've seen from most companies. Um, some of them actually have a big wad of plastic that slips into the some... Uh, bends or rolls in the in the bottom of the magazine metal so like ruger does it that way and macar a couple aftermarket companies so anyway um that's what you got there um let's see uh he also wants to know if there's a mass compliant sig 320 x5 legion and yes the answer to that is yes the town 10 round version of the 320 legion x5 the full-size legion is mass compliant so you're good to go on that um yeah, they just have the 10-round mags. Uh, let's see. Uh, 
TJ said he heard someone is taking Healy to court for magazine capacity, which is awesome. In light of that Bruin decision, that would be great. So um, hold on to your seats if that's true. Uh, he says Guns and Gadgets did just a, just did a video on five assault weapons bans, lawsuits being fi- uh, filed. Oh, Chris says that, by the way. Um, I haven't, and he says that Massachusetts is in there, so that's great. Um, I haven't uh, heard of these yet. Um, like I said, uh, I'm just back in the saddle um, and got some catching up to do, but this has to be some breaking news uh, if that is the case, because I, I looked at Jared's feed about 20 minutes ago and it, there was nothing on it at that time. So uh, that's great news. I knew it was only a matter of time after the Bruin decision to see these assault weapons ban and magazine capacity ban and, uh, you know, some of the license to carry challenges and the, not to mention the whole roster, the approved weapons roster, all that. So anyway, uh, that's good news. Uh, I would love to see those things all go away. Um, and BS says, hey, so I just turned 20 and I have my FID and I want to buy bulk ammo online, but all websites say I must be 21 to order. Would it be wrong to lie about my age if I'm legally able to possess ammo? Uh, I would say it is. And you're kind of doubling down on something that's already technically illegal in Massachusetts, but have no fear because the Cape Gunworks delivery vehicle is here and we are going to be launching very soon. I promise very soon. And um, we have a big meeting about it this Friday. So we're going to iron out the details and it's go time. And somebody uh, in the class today, Clint, uh, uh, this one guy who's teaching the class uh, gave me a great line and it's uh, basically the USCCA's, uh, um, methodology, which seems to be my life uh, ethos, if you will, and that's fly the plane while we build it. <laughs> so that's what we're going to be doing with the Cape Gunworks delivery vehicle. We are going to fly the plane and then we're going to build it while we're in the air. So stay tuned for that. So BS, don't get yourself jammed up by lying and and uh, getting ammo shipped in from out of state. We'll take care of you. We'll deliver it. Uh, to to you in state all we got to do is verify your fid card or uh in person at the time of sale so there you have it um and uh let's see how much money to take the state back to court for the laws uh yeah it's going to take a lot of money and good news is i'm sure that firearms policy coalition gun owners of america gun owners action league probably the nra they should all be stepping up to the plate with these, uh, the new rules of engagement as far as the um, Second Amendment lawsuits are concerned, thank you to the uh, brilliant words of Clarence Thomas, who has uh, long decried the fact that the Second Amendment has become a second-class right or a disfavored right, those were his words, uh, when the Supreme Court failed to take up the 10 gun cases uh, that were before it a couple of years ago. Uh, one of which was the Massachusetts assault weapons ban. Uh, the good news is he made all that right with this Bruin decision and basically said that you can't have intermediate scrutiny. You must have strict scrutiny. You must rule on text, tradition, and history. Uh, that's the way it is. It is a big T truth, like a, not like a little man's opinion. This is 
major, major constitutional right law. So you can't have that second step of intermediate scrutiny. You can't have any uh, Chevron deference. You can't have these three-letter agencies starting to uh, create law by changing the rules, by changing, um, you know, the the way we interpret law and enforcing them in, under their new rules and guidelines. So this is going to be a banner decade as far as firearms ownership is concerned, as far as I can see. Obviously, there's the anti-gun side isn't going to just lay their arms down and say, oh, we quit. The Giffords of the world aren't going to just throw up their hands and say, oh, we were wrong. See you later. So plan for guerrilla warfare when it comes to the Second Amendment. I'm sure they're going to try to pack the Supreme Court. They're going to do end arounds. They're going to hire teams of lawyers that can parse out whatever it is the Bruin decision said. They're going to point to other case law and the history and tradition of uh, firearms ownership, but guess what they got to go against? Some of the earliest gun control, if you want to use that as case law, as precedent, as legal precedent, it's stuff like from the Supreme Court even that says, yeah, we want to make sure that newly freed slaves cannot acquire firearms. Uh, it's written there in black and white as gun ownership was the racist roots of gun ownership And I think they're going to have a hard time using that. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a great fight ahead. And I think we got time uh, and history on our side, as well as the text and tradition. We need to replenish the coffers, donate to all of these gun uh, support groups like Gun Owners of America, Firearms Policy Coalition, Gun Owners Action League, uh, COM2A, et cetera, et cetera. So... Uh, The fight is upon us. We want to thank our new sponsor, USCCA. To honor them, use this week's code PROTECT at capegunworks.com and you will get a very special discount on your online order. Go to capegunworks.com and use the code PROTECT to get your special discount today. Stay tuned because we have Bill Whittle next. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. something like this the stress level it can tear up a family he said he was tried in the court of public opinion before he ever stepped foot in a courtroom but surveillance video helped shed light on what actually happened 50 year old ford employee billy coert was charged with attempted murder for shooting his gun in the united auto workers 551 parking lot in june 2016 to have everything you work for taken away Cohort was suspended and then terminated from his job with Ford, where he had worked for nearly two decades. To have somebody have your back and have a company that have your back, and then they put me in touch with a great attorney. That was the best feeling. You want the best, you got to pay for it. Vortex offers the very best optics, specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today.
Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And I'm really happy to have on the uh, show today Bill Whittle, who's actually joining us. If you're watching on the on the uh, video link, you'll actually see him. Or if not, if you're in radio land, you'll actually just hear him. But uh, Bill, thanks so much for coming on the show today. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, and so I first became uh, aware of your work probably, I don't know, four or five, maybe even longer years ago. You did a great video called Number One with a Bullet, but I know you've been up to lots of stuff. So why don't you tell everybody out there uh, who you are and what it is you do, and uh, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Well, uh, sure. Thank you. My pleasure. I started uh, started doing this by writing a blog called Eject, Eject, Eject <laughs> in the very, very last years of 2002. And uh, in 2008, I got hired by PJ uh, TV, and I've been doing, like some people call it conservative commentary. I've always considered it to be pro-American commentary, really, honestly. That's, that's, that's really what I'm, I'm after. Mm. Um, the, uh, when I was real, real early, I think maybe the second thing I did in the, back in the blog days, back in the end of 2002, there was a, a blogger out there named Rachel Lucas, who I admired enormously, and she and I, was, I wasn't writing anything. I was just a, a fan. And she had put up a post that said, um, hey, I've got a friend who, who's thinking about buying a gun. What are, what are some of the best arguments you can come up with for that? And I put down probably a couple of ideas in the comment section and then a couple more and then a couple more. And she said, you need to really get into this business. You know, you really need to do that. So she set up a blog for me. And, and after a relatively short time, a, a really great patriot named Kim Dutois, gun guy, um, invited me over to his house and said, take whichever one of these things that you want in the gun collection. And I learned a long time ago, it's actually better to take somebody up on an overly generous offer than, you know, than insult them by, by turning it down. Mm. So I got, um, so I got a, a 45, my dad had a 45, but, but all of this simply to say that prior to 2002, I hadn't thought about it, hadn't been a gun owner. I hadn't given it any consideration at all. And then when somebody asked me, to, to list the reasons for, for why you would want to have something like that. Uh, I just started thinking about it, and it became more and more plain and more and more obvious. In 2013, which seems to me like about three years ago, but it was actually almost you know 10, uh, I did something called the virtual presidency, and I did a segment on guns. Uh, I, I did it as a like I was making a statement to the, uh, to the Congress as the president. And that got seen by, I think, somebody said 30 million people on, wow. on the Facebook rounds. So I, I come to the gun issue from the philosophical point of view rather than kind of a lifetime of, uh, of gun ownership. With that said, you know, my dad was a second lieutenant in the Army. Uh, my brother and my dad were great hunters. I'd had a, I'd, I, remember, I remember where the Daisy BB gun was in the guy's store, I remember where it was, the location up on the shelf there when he pulled two of those down, one for me and my brother. Nice. And so um, it was just something I never particularly thought about. But since then, I've been doing a lot of, a lot of this kind of thing. I have my own channel called BillWhittle.com, and, and I, I cover all kinds of different issues. Nice. Yeah, it's almost like you're talking about this rite of passage that happened in a lot of parts That's exactly of America. It. Where, like, you get your first BB gun, or maybe your first twenty two, or you get to go hunting with Dad, or whatever. I didn't get that type of upbringing myself my family was kind of anti-gun and thought that uh -huh. they were just this object that went out and ruthlessly killed people all by themselves but mm -hmm. uh you know the irony they that have I... a tendency, they have a tendency to do that to <laughs> just leap up off the coffee table and just start firing 
Right. But when it, the video you did, number one with a bullet, I think is mm-hmm. a very good, and I've referenced it many times in, in my firearms career, as a talking point of just some of the raw data of, no, guns don't just jump off the table and kill people. It is a evil or a, uh, in some case, psychotic person that is behind those acts of evil or uh, terror, if you will. And it's guns in the hands of the right people make society a safe and pleasant and, you know, much nicer society. And my favorite line of the whole video is uh, when you talk about Plano, Texas, and you say, you know, those uh, murderous, you know, knuckle dragging rednecks in Plano, Texas, who are armed to the teeth, they've got. They've got, uh, you know, AR-15s. They've got AK-47s. They've got uh, 22s for the kids. They've got broken glass. They've got sharp rocks, pointy sticks, and and it has the it has the lowest per capita murder rate on the on the chart of the of the uh, top 20 that were there. Right. And the entire point of that video was, we we are by far the number one country in the world in terms of gun ownership per capita, and so just just to see how much truth there was to the assertion that we must be the murder capital of the world. I took a look at the, at the total number of murders per capita. Mm. Now, part of what I do, cause I'm, I'm, you know, I consider myself a day walker. I'm a, I'm a vampire that slays other vampires. I'm, I've been in show business my whole life. Hollywood's not too far behind this wall back here. I live right underneath the eye of Sauron here. Uh, <laughs> but one of, one of the things that's effective about rhetoric is when you can, build up people's expectations. So I'd say, yes, we're number one in gun ownership. So that would mean we're probably number one in murder. Well, we're not. And we're not second. Now we're not in the top five and we're not in the top 10 or the top 20 (laughs) or the top 30. We're not in the top 50. We're not in the top 70. We're not even in the top 100. We're 111 out of 211 countries Mm. in terms of the murder rate. And then I basically went on to say, now if you take the murder pits these heavily gun-controlled areas like downtown Detroit and, and St. Louis. So you take those statistics out and you go to a community that's got uh, a, just universal gun ownership, like Plano. And Plano's murder rate is lower than Belgium's. It's, those murderous Belgians are three times more homicidal than the people in Plano. And lower than Switzerland. It's lower than all of these countries that claim to be our moral superiors. So my conclusion was maybe it's not the guns. Maybe it's the people. Right. Because uh, this is a big country, and while the murder rate in the cities is shocking, the the murder rate across the, the virtually the entire rest of the country, the non-urban country, is lower than it is in Europe or anywhere else for that matter. Yeah, and when you made a great point, when you take those cities out, what it re- where it reduces us on that hundred and eleventh, I think it puts us at like two hundred two hundred and six out of two hundred and eleven. Yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah, and I think it's just the most the top ten most violent cities. It's not even like that. No, of course it's exactly. not like you got to reduce the country by half. It's like take the top ten out, and we're now in the bottom of the all countries on earth. Exactly. <laughs> so so. So that that's data. That's why that argument right. is so effective, because that's that's data. That's Wikipedia data. That's not NRA data. I just went straight down the line and Wikipedia I did screen caps of everything so people could see where I got the numbers from. And it's one of those arguments that when I'm really, really on my game are essentially irrefutable. Right. You know, the, the, the logic and the evidence make that kind of irrefutable. So there's an awful lot of misinformation out there. My personal feeling is, is that is that the uh, that the people who are most anti-gun are the people who, who I actually think the psychology of it is 
they feel like they cannot control murder. And so they can control guns. And I think they kind of think of it as like, if we throw the virgin into the volcano, then the fire God won't be angry with us anymore. You know, it's, it's something that they feel they can control. And the idea that there are people out there who will kill you, want to kill you, regardless of how nice you are to them, regardless of your politics, some people simply can't get their heads around that. Right. Yeah, you know, you raise a great point. And we were talking about this earlier on the uh, Grace Curley show. I was on her show. And, uh, you know, the the people that are trying to restrict firearms ownership look at you as if you're a ticking time bomb, even though Mm -hmm. you've given them no reason whatsoever to feel that way. Like I am the one you want with a gun, not yet. And, and yet you make, they contribute to make society safer, but yet they're still looking at you like it's only a matter of time. And I, I talk about it often that in the state of Massachusetts where I live, um, the department of corrections or the department of criminal justice is the entity that issues the license to carry. Like that's, it's like they're waiting for the day when they can flip the switch and now you've crossed the line onto the criminal side of the equation and you're already in the system. So making it easy for them, you know? How many times have you heard this from people who are not just in favor of gun control? I'm talking about the the, the people who are terrified of guns, the, the anti, anti, rabid, anti-gun people. How many times have you had a conversation with them? You talk to them about it. What is it that you, that you uh, find most disturbing about that? And the answer to me almost always comes back to, well, if I just get mad at my girlfriend, I, I just pick up the gun and shoot her. And and I hear this kind of thing. Again, what happens if I get really angry? I'll kill you. What you realize is this is projection of their own lack of control onto other people. They're unable to control their own emotions. They're unable to discipline themselves emotionally, and they assume everybody else in the culture is like that. Therefore, no one should be allowed to have these things because they can't handle it. Right. And and this is – I've not found an exception to that rule. The one thing I have found, and, and, and no doubt you and, and your listeners have experienced this too – when you take an anti-gun person, if you can manage to tie one up and you know throw them in the back of the truck and put a bag over their heads, they don't know where they're going. But if you manage to take one of them down to a to a gun range, the two things that happen universally are number one, when they actually pull the trigger, they're just in awe. This is, this is awesome. But m- much more importantly, the thing I've gotten again and again and again from from anti-gun people at a gun range is they from the moment they walk into the moment they leave, they cannot believe how careful people are. Mm. They cannot believe how aware they are of safety. They cannot believe all of the precautions in there against accidental shooting. In their mind, they think we all go down there and start shooting through the roof, you know, yeehaw, and, you know, and start making people do the Mexican hat dance, you know, and, and, and this is their vision of what it is. When they get there and see the amount of precaution and the amount of respect and care that gun owners have, it goes a long way to curing that, uh, that, Uh, syndrome that you just talked about that we're all a bunch of lunatics and i think they're secretly afraid that they might enjoy it but anyway we gotta can i hold you on for one more segment absolutely all right so we're headed for a break but before we go you should head over to capegunworks.com and use this week's special discount code protect p-r-o-t-e-c-t in honor of our new sponsor the uscca so go over to capegunworks.com and use Protect for a very special discount. We will be right back with Bill Whittle, so don't go away. Stay tuned.
Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. radio show where you can call into the show or text your question to 508-444-2120 any time of the day or night. You can leave a message or call us when we're recording on the air. Leave your name, location, and question to 508-444-2120. If we don't answer you this week, we'll get to you next week, I promise. So anyway, we're joined here with Bill Whittle, and right before the break, we are talking about some of the interactions with anti-gun people, and I said, I think they're secretly afraid of liking shooting guns and most of them i think are won over as soon as they shoot it for the first couple times and say you know what this is really fun i can't believe how much i'm enjoying myself i shouldn't be doing this right now and they almost have this guilty realization that i can't be doing this guns are bad like but this is so much fun the camaraderie and the just pure enjoyment with the family and time spent together and and uh have a wonderful pleasant experience now i know that's not everybody but that certainly is the majority of people i've ever taken shooting and, and they certainly uh, seem to be, as, as we mentioned in the last segment, extremely impressed by the safety. Mm-hmm. And I think they're also impressed by the friendliness and the willingness of not, not everybody, but virtually everybody. The nearest round number is zero people who aren't willing to do this. People are willing to help you with, with uh, loading, help you with aiming, help you with correct your shot. Everybody's uh, looking out for everybody else. Everybody's just friendly to complete strangers. It's the antithesis of what they uh, believe. And that's why it's great if you can get people there. The problem is you can't get most of them there. Mm. And and so we have to take the message to them. Well, I think, you know, interestingly enough, the last couple of years has afforded us an incredible opportunity to actually welcome new people under the tent of the Second Amendment uh, community or the 2A community. Mm-hmm. And I, I had, I tell the story often, but I had my middle school lunch lady walk into the store kind of deer in the headlights looking around and she barely got in the door and I walked over I said hey how you doing I recognized her right away and she said I don't like guns she's looking around she goes how do I get a gun you know she (laughs) (laughs) so you know there was this weird crossroads moment where they're like they understand that government might not be coming to save them there's not going to be a cavalry riding over the hill at sunset you know to guns blazing at the moment of truth when they need them 
And so right. people are starting to take more responsibility for their own personal safety, and they recognize gun is an efficient tool for that. And shoot, we can still get it. But I've noticed also that the latecomers to the party, if you will, the newer shooters, mm-hmm. the new whatever the number is, 14 or 16 or 18 uh-huh. million people, they're more willing, I think, to actually take a class, to learn, to yes. get the gear, you know, ask questions. They don't have yes. these presuppositions. They're, they're people who didn't grow up with guns. Right. People whose fathers were hunters or, or whatever, been using guns since you were a little kid. Your familiarity with guns for people like that. And my dad was one of those people. I got my first BB gun when I was, I don't know, eight or something. So so for people like us, we've had experience with it and we don't feel quite the need for for. Uh, for uh, sessions, at least in terms of how to load the weapon and so mm. on. Um, I occasionally take uh, classes to make sure that I don't shoot my foot off if I get adrenalized <laughs> and have to, you know, use this weapon for real. But but you get the idea. Yes, you're right. Many many of the recent arrivals are people who've, who've come to the show late and have decided this is something not that they want to do, but something they have to do. And to their credit, they are they – are, taking it seriously enough to get, you know, to get the training. Uh, there's one thing I, I would like to talk about if you, if you just have a second, mm-hmm. just for the, for the sake of our listeners out there. Um, I mentioned I was a, a you know, like a, a day walker, a vampire in entertainment. I've been a, a screenwriter, movie writer my whole life. That's what I do for a living. I'm a writer. And when I look at the gun control debate in general, I watch how the anti-gun people master the rhetoric and they master the argument and we walk right into their kill boxes. We just walk right into them. Mm. I'll give you, I'll give you the best example I can think of when we have discussions about something like the AR 15 or whatever the case may be, we get bogged down into things like, well, what is a high capacity magazine? Is there such a thing as a high capacity magazine? Is it going to be 10 rounds? Is it going to be 20? This is where we go because this is where they want us. Anytime. Anytime you hear any kind of a discussion like that, you got to just cut it off immediately. And you need to say to the person who's making the argument, this is the question. Does an 80-pound teacher woman have the right to defend her life against three 200-pound assailants in a parking lot? Yes or no? Mm. Period. Does that person have a right to protect their own life? Yes or no? Because that's the entire argument. Yeah. And if somebody says, well, you can always call the police, then you can trot out the greatest saw in the in the Second Amendment movement. And that is, you know, when seconds count, the police are only minutes away. We've seen so many TV shows where Jack Webb bursts in and shoots the gun out of the guy's hand, you know. Right. <laughs> but, the, but the police are there to put a chalk outline around the body and try and figure out who killed you. Right. The, the entire moral argument for guns is that they are, well, God created men and Sam Colt made them equal, right? A, a gun allows an 80-pound woman to have a chance of survival against three professional, enormous men who without the gun would beat her, rape her, or murder her. And, and if you're not willing to let that person defend themselves— then you have to explain why it is that humans cannot defend themselves, but every other planet, every other animal on the planet, including bacteria, I might point out, <laughs> are allowed to defend themselves. And and now you've got them, you see? Mm. So so don't, just anytime it gets into the technical thing or, or well, the founders, or, no, no. Right. Does this person have a right to live, yes or no? And once you put them there, they can't get out. That's actually a great way to put it because that's exactly what our founders did. They they said self-defense is the most basic human right we have, right? The laws of nature, which you just described very well, and of nature's God. God gives us the right to 
self-defense as the most basic human right on earth. And, and I think you very well uh, put it about the analogy with the 80-year-old lady. And I, I had that same kind of aha moment with some people that I was talking guns with, uh, and they have a business in Ukraine of all places. And they didn't believe anyone should have an AR-15. And I said, well, wait a minute now. In Ukraine, they're giving out AK- Probably change your opinion now, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, I said, they're giving out AK-47s at the local police department. In America, we have police buybacks. In yeah. Ukraine, they give police gun give-outs. So, and these are the real assault weapons. I know we're not getting into the definition, of, but what about that? Is that okay? They said, oh, absolutely. To go fight against the Russians, that's great. You know, and I said, okay, well, could it be possible that... That's too late, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, that we have a deterrent to that country invading us because of the 100 million people that right. own firearms right. in this country. So you so you basically say, somebody would say, well, of course, in Ukraine, you have a right to firearms because there are people coming at you. Right. I said, well, what if the Russians come and invade America? They'll say, well, that's impossible. The Russians would never come and invade America. Why? Why is that? <laughs> well, it's because everybody in America. Oh, <laughs> oh, I see. So this is see, this is the thing. It's it's like my wife. I, I married a Russian woman, and and uh, and she's a, well, she's an American citizen now. And in Moscow, these every apartment door is essentially a steel door with three or four deadbolts. And when she came to this house that we're renting, we got it for the first time. I've got a house with a regular door, and there's kind of a little bit of you know ornamental crystal work on the side. And she says, Billy, this. This isn't going to stop anybody. This glass is somebody coming in the door. They just reach in and open the door. I said, honey, the glass isn't there to stop the guy from coming in. The glass is there to wake me up. <laughs> That's why the glass is there. The reason that they're not going to come in is under the bed. And the thing that, that people don't realize is, is that it's not a question of everybody shooting every intruder. It's just that when you have a neighborhood that people know consists of heavily armed law-abiding people, those are crime-free neighborhoods mm. because – because criminals, like any other predator, have to succeed every time. The reason that the lion goes after the weak and the sick is because if a lion gets his teeth kicked in, he's finished. Mm. He's done. He doesn't get a second chance. He's, it's over for him. So it's the same thing for human predators. They cannot risk running up against somebody who can harm them back. So they'll pick on the weak and the old and the sick and the young and the, and the, the solitary and and so the, the gun ownership essentially puts a force field, puts an invisible force field around this area saying, you, human predator, don't know for sure that if you go in this house, you're going to get back out again. And that is what actually deters the crime and makes Plano such a safe and happy place to live. Right. And we just talked about it this morning in the class we're doing uh, that it actually comes all the way down like if you want to ratchet it back far enough, it's the mindset. Defensive mm-hmm. mindset is a way of life. And the, right. and the people who become firearms owners and become trained in the safe and efficient use of firearms for defensive purposes are probably least likely to actually need them in the first place because of the because scenario. Of their situational yeah. awareness. Because, right. yeah. yeah, everything you just outlined. And that's having that defensive mindset is really the biggest, uh, the biggest aha moment is the fact that you know, I am the weapon and the gun is the tool, right? And and right. I'm not defenseless if I don't have a weapon, but I choose that weapon because it's a better and more efficient tool to for the 80-pound lady to make herself yeah. equal to the three 300-pound assailants. And, exactly. Um, yeah. 
So, Bill, I really appreciate this time. Why don't you tell everyone how they can follow your work and where they can find you? And uh, if they want more information about your uh, stuff, you put out great content, and I hope everyone will follow you. And why don't you go ahead and tell everyone some of the stuff you've been working on and where to find you? Sure. We, uh, my website is BillWhittle.com. You can come and find all of our videos there. We're, we're a membership-based service. We have a relatively small number of people who pay nine ninety five a month to make sure the message goes out to I think it's 100 million views now, something like that, nice. over the course of my career. Um, and and we do seven, eight shows a, a week. Um, so, yeah, we, we talk about guns. We talk about a lot of other things that are common sense, sure. too. And um, just, just yesterday we recorded a show where uh, the attorneys general of uh, New York and California are, are lobbying the credit card companies to track gun sales. Crazy. And we said, well guy going downtown to hold up a store doesn't buy a gun with a credit card. And, and if I'm a cartel and I'm buying a thousand AKs, I don't do that on a credit card. Who are they going after? But, but my point was, they said their argument was, well, if, even if it just saves one life, it's worth doing. And then you come back with, well, if you want to look at what actually saves lives in mass shootings, time and time, every three weeks or so, it's a person there who's armed. So instead of, instead of concealed carry or open carry, why don't we go with mandatory carry? If that's really your objective, right, is to, is to, is to save just one life. The data shows that's the best way to do it. So this is the kind of thing we talk about right. over there. And we're, we're certainly glad to have you if, you if you want to swing by. Yeah, I'd love to do that. So thanks so much for joining us. We'll have to do this again if you're open to it. I'd, I'd love to. And uh, thanks so much. And we're going to a break, but you should go to rapidfireradio.us and check out the latest in Rapid Fire gear. Show your pro 2A by wearing a shirt, a hat, or grab a flag and go to rapidfireradio.com. I'm sorry, .us and click on the Get Rapid Fire gear. Thanks so much to Bill, and we'll see you next time. Uh, this is Rapid Fire. become all the rage these days. Apparently the mainstream media has gotten all over this term and they're really misinterpreting what it means. And there's something that you need to know as a responsibly armed American. Constitutional carry simply allows you to carry a gun without a permit. That's it. It does not vacate your responsibility of what you're going to do with that gun. Remember, you are responsible for every action you take and certainly every round that comes out of that muzzle. And constitutional carry doesn't take that away. So when we're arguing with anti-gunners who are complaining that constitutional carry makes the world less safe, let's remind them that whether a state has constitutional carry or an over-the-top requirement for you to get your concealed carry permit, none of that takes away your responsibility when you're dealing with a firearm. You will be held accountable for your actions as every responsibly armed American should be. So make sure you get the proper training and you know your laws so you're doing the right thing. I'm Kevin Michalowski, editor of Concealed Carry Magazine. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly talk radio show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense, sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. And I'm really happy to have in studio with us for the first time, Clint Macro, who is a contributor of the uh, Personal Defense Network training tour, which is, it's actually just wrapping up 
uh, pretty soon here and has his own show, The Trigger Pressers Union. So thanks for joining us, Clint. How are you today? I'm well, man. I'm very well. Thank you for having me on. It's it's great to be in studio. Yeah, I'm glad you made the trip up. And uh, it's always good to have uh, fellow like-minded gun guys who are awesome uh, instructors out there, you know, come in and put their two cents in. So I know you've been busy. You've been out training. You had a couple of stops on the tour. Why don't you tell everyone about that and what you've been up to lately and what's coming up for the uh, PDN training tour? Sure, sure. I I had my first stop. I actually only had two stops this year. Uh, this is, I think, my fifth year on the training tour. Uh, because of other circumstances, I didn't offer as many dates as I did in the past years. But my first one was on National Train a Teacher Day, mm-hmm. which was pretty awesome. I had uh, actually a small turnout. Unfortunately, I had a few people cancel at the last minute, but uh, had a great a great couple, a husband and wife couple that were both uh, educators. And it, nice. it turned out to be a really good experience. Um, I think mine is the last one scheduled. I'm at, uh, September 17th. Uh, now, usually Rob will book another one and continue <laughs> to keep going and extend the tour. But I think I'm the last one on the book last I saw. Nice. Uh, that's going to be in uh, outside Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And I got people coming from all over the country to take it. They got great. people flying in and, and getting hotel rooms and stuff. So I'm Excellent. really excited about it. What's the class that, that you're teaching then? Yeah, I'm doing the USCCA DSF Level 1 program, the Defensive Shooting Fundamentals, which is the USCCA's course that uh, was developed with Rob. It right. uses the counter-ambush methodology, and it's something that I, I love to teach. It's mm. my favorite kung fu. Yeah, no, that's great. And uh, obviously, some of the best, in my opinion, uh, nuts and bolts class for someone who's going to carry a gun outside the home or in, even inside the home for defensive purposes. That is the, the shooting class of... You know, after everything that leads up to a defensive situation to something uh, and stops kind of at the aftermath of of that. And uh, you're one of the best in the business at teaching that class. And so that should be great. Are there any spots available? Uh, Actually, no, she's booked up. She's booked up. I actually have kind of a waiting list uh, (laughs) as well if some people were to back out. Yeah. 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 It's it's a smaller range. Uh, I'm kind of stuck at like eight people because the Mm -hmm. the size of the backstop. But I go there every year and I'll teach a class on a Saturday. I'll do a defensive class and then I'm going to stay there at their sportsman's club on Sunday and do a Pennsylvania Game Commission hunter safety course. I always do that to kind of reciprocate for them letting me use their facility. That's really great. I wish we could teach the uh, hunter safety here. It's a big process in Massachusetts, unfortunately, but, um, you know, that's the way it goes. But um, what what else has been going on in, in your world as far as training is concerned or the, or the trigger pressers union or the PDN tour or anything like that? Any of the feedback along the way of, uh, you know, uh, classes or, or, you know, contributors or, or other guys that you train with or partner with? Um, go ahead. The floor is yours if you want to talk a little bit about that. Sure. Well, I, I know Rob has been doing the the new version of his uh, advanced pistol handling class. He actually did that when he stopped at my range earlier this year for one of his training tour stops in Pennsylvania. And he split up the advanced pistol handling, the IC advanced pistol handling, into a, a compromised shooting position and then the advanced course which uh, gets into weak-handed manipulation. We actually had one of the, the craziest malfunctions ever. I was actually able to place a round of uh, empty brass backwards into my magazine well as I inserted the magazine. It was one of those things he kept saying, work it out, work it out. And finally we stopped and it's like, okay, dude, you need a hammer and a punch to fix this problem. <laughs> uh, he put a post up on Facebook. This was a number of months ago, but it was a really freak, uh, freak feed issue that took place wow. there. Yeah, that's funny. I had that happen once in a class, and it was a it was a nightmare. It's a tool, you know. It's a job for a tool, not not <laughs> any type of 
manipulation, but that's great. Thank, how can people reach you, Clint, if they want to uh, find out more about what you do? Yeah, you can uh, reach me through the PDN Training Tour website, or you can go directly to my site, which is TriggerPressersUnion.com. TriggerPressersUnion.com. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. And we're headed for a break, but before we go, you should head over to CapeGunWorks.com and use this week's code PROTECT in honor of our new sponsor, the USCCA. So PROTECT will get you a great discount off your entire purchase at capegunworks.com. More after this, we will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated. Legendary performance. This is Hornady. Federal ammunition is 100. This is where the American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas. That's federal ammunition. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota, born in 1922, made in America, and proud to be the best. Federal ammunition, a century of innovation. And we're only getting started. SnapSafe, featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong. And Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months. So it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And it is flying by, so I'm going to get to your questions <laughs> because of all the guests that I've uh, had on there. We have a call from a new gun owner, and uh, he's a little confused, but we're going to help clear him up here. So go ahead, hit the call. Constitutionalist, Second Amendment purist. But I'm a new gun owner, and I want you to uh, can you dive in and dumb down Cliff Notes version, just uh, caliber and uh, what's the difference between caliber and, and uh, millimeter, like a nine millimeter or a twenty-two caliber? I don't understand the ammo portion. Sure. Thanks. Yep. Uh, so 
the best way to describe it is it's basically the metric system versus you know the English system. So um, caliber is measured in inches. It's like 0.38 caliber is actually <laughs> it gets a little more confusing. 0.38 caliber, like a 38 caliber, is actually 0.357 or 0.358. And, and so they get into the magnum, it's 0.357, you know. Uh, but that's thousandths of an inch or hundredths of an inch. Uh, and so that's the way you read that. And it translates into the metric system by millimeters. So they use millimeter, we use, you know, caliber. And uh, like a, they're actually the same diameter. Like a nine millimeter bullet is um, 0.358 inches so like we sell these uh Korth revolvers which are phenomenal revolvers uh they're imported by Nighthawk um and you can actually get a 357 cylinder for it and a 9 millimeter cylinder because they're the same exact diameter so really it's just a difference of what holds the case in the in the gun uh so like 22 caliber is like 0. 0.5 uh, I'm sorry, 5.56 millimeters. So you get like a 5.56 five, or a 2.23 um, is, you know, 22 caliber. It's all kind of the same uh, as far as the caliber to millimeter conversion. But unfortunately, they did round up when it came to calibers in some cases. Like, uh, you know, I think a 45 is 0.456, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I know there's like 45 Colt or 45 government is 0.458. So anyway, it's it's easier just to round it down or up a little bit. So there you have it. Uh, and 508-444-2120 is the live phone number to call into rapid fire. You can also text your questions to 508-444-2120. Um, but you don't want to get confused with the caliber. You, you want to make sure that the whatever caliber you have, or, you know, say it's nine millimeter, that you're shooting the ammunition that's very specific to your gun. Like, don't think that all things that have a nine millimeter on it are created equal because there's like nine by 18. And uh, if it's a nine millimeter, like NATO or nine para, it, you know, it can be very confusing, but you want to make sure you're using the ammo that's designed to shoot in your gun. Uh, some people confuse it sometimes thinking 380 because it's nine millimeter will shoot in a nine millimeter. And yeah, it could turn into a bad day. So Anyway, that's the nuts and bolts of that. But uh, let's get back to some of your questions on the chat. Um, Ryan says, if I make a fixed mag Mark 18, do I have to SBR it? And uh, no, absolutely not. You don't have to SBR it unless the barrel's less than 16 inches. Then you have to SBR it if it has a stock, if it has a pistol brace on it, uh, We'll see how much longer you can get away with that before the braced pistol language comes in. And basically, they're going to say that any AK-47, any AR-15 uh, with a barrel length less than 16 that has a pistol brace on it is now an SBR, and they're trying to draft up amnesty language, which I think should be challenged in court in light of the Bruin decision, but we'll see how it goes. Um, but you're not... Uh, you don't have to do anything. You can make the gun into any configuration that you want. Uh, Cape Dog is saying, um, what's my favorite cal uh, barrel length for uh, AR-15? And I like the 12.5-inch barrel in 5.56, and I like 8.5-inch barrel 
with 300 blackout if I'm going to integrally suppress it, which doesn't do you much good in Massachusetts. But in other words, you do a full-length handguard and have a can that goes within the handguard, uh, similar to the rifle that's over my shoulder, that uh, Q Honey Badger is an integrally suppressed 300 blackout. Uh, so that's what I like. So you get a little bit of length in the handguard, so you could put a vertical foregrip and still get your arm out a little further. And the 12.5-inch AR barrel allows you enough handguard to still get a pretty good uh, C-clamp grip and a good triangle on the gun in order to control recoil, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I like that. But um, that's just my personal favorite. But there's honestly nothing wrong with a 16-inch barrel or a 14 and a half with a pinned and welded brake or flash hider, depending on where you live. So uh, that's, um, that's you know, my own personal feeling on it. So um, let's see. Uh, from the text line, I uh, just want to let you know that my wife and I took a defensive shooting class last Wednesday night with Jim and Glenn, and it was excellent. Loved it. Bought a membership as well. Looking forward to spending more time on the range. Thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate the f- kind feedback. Um, that's uh, excellent uh, feedback and Jim and Glenn are excellent. Uh, Jim is our training, uh, manager basically. And Glenn is probably one of the biggest, uh, you know, instructors here at the, not physically, but as far as amount of classes that he teaches, uh, <laughs> um, he teaches probably more classes and per- private lessons than anybody. Uh, so anyway, there you go. And Jasper says, hey, Bill and Toby, martial artists here. These mass politicians tried to restrict karate weapons used at tournament competitions about 25 years ago. Yeah, I remember that. Like, even earlier than that, when I was a kid growing up, I thought I was a ninja. I used to order, you know, stuff out of Black Belt magazine and all that. And I'd always try to get, like, tonfas or throwing stars and whatever. And they were always restricted for sale in Massachusetts. And I... Would always have to, you know, cry in my Fruit Loops because I couldn't get some good ninja gear at the time. But yeah, Massachusetts doesn't believe in the free uh, proliferation of arms of any kind, apparently, and it's been a long history of that. So um, anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, he also says uh, that there's been a lot of shootings in Boston and places like Dorchester, and guns aren't allowed in certain housing projects. Um, and but there's plenty of illegal guns in these housing projects. Yeah, I will agree agree to that. That a lot of inner cities where guns are restricted and gun ownership is restricted, um, that those are oftentimes some of the highest uh, rates of violent crime that you'll see. Uh, unfortunately, in areas where people actually need to get firearms to protect themselves, and uh, that's the way it the way it works. And Jasper says, I think it's worse than we think. I believe the state and federal governments purposely seem to allow this. And it's definitely by design because you can do the study yourself of the cities that are very safe and secure and gun ownership is very easily accessed. And then the states with highly restrictive gun ownership, like, you know, Washington, D.C., Chicago, Detroit, etc. And, you know, crime is off the charts. So, It's definitely by design and on purpose. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in to the first hour. Remember, the show ends here, but it goes on for another hour at capegunworks.com or rapidfireradio.us. And you can always call the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. You can ask questions and check out some of our online content 
watch past episodes, etc., etc., and pick it up wherever you find your podcast. And remember, freedom will always be on the right side of history, so stay tuned. We'll see you next time. I'm Toby Leary. your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. Alexander Hamilton said, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road, Hyannis, or capegunworks.com. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. to rapid fire your weekly show all things guns freedom second amendment and sponsored by vortex optics and the uscca tune in each week to rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation now you can even call the rapid fire line 508-444-2120 that's 508-444-2120 you can leave a message anytime or send us a text and we will get to your question. Just remember to leave your name 
location and your question. And remember to like us and subscribe on all of our social media platforms. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks everywhere except for Instagram. We are CGW underscore backup. Hopefully that'll change and we'll get our account restored. But for now, wherever you get your social media, try Cape Gunworks and you should tune right in. Uh, But like, subscribe, comment, and share. Uh, Friends, neighbors, relatives, uh, enemies, tell them all about Rapid Fire and uh, we'll be able to get the message out. Uh, We had a great first hour, a lot of guests, a lot of great questions. And um, so since I had a down moment at the break, I was able to pull up uh, the seven lawsuits that were filed by the National Association for Gun Rights. This is really exciting uh, kind of breaking news uh, because it's in four different um, four different uh, appellate courts throughout the country, including Massachusetts, Connecticut, Hawaii. Um, so, you know, I know the first, second, ninth, and uh, I'll, I'll try to get all of them. But uh, it's, I believe it's anywhere there's an assault weapons ban, it's been challenged. So that's really good news. Uh, I'm excited about that. I knew it was a matter of time uh, before somebody filed a lawsuit. And uh, so you can go jump over to... Uh, uh, you want to check out uh, National Association for Gun Rights and support their cause because they're the ones who filed the lawsuit. So, uh, yeah, we got a call from Nurse Dan, who's running from uh, running for representative. Go ahead. Hi, this is Nurse Dan for Congress. I'm calling from Cape Cod, and I have a comment, and that is, I believe that the liberals think that the Bill of Rights is a la carte when, in fact, the Bill of Rights is a package deal that all citizens of this country uh, have a right to enjoy. And I think until we recognize that the Bill of Rights is not to be piecemealed, but to be preserved as a package deal, we'll be in a better place. Amen to that, Nurse Dan. You got my vote yesterday, and uh, hopefully you do well in the general election. He is running against Bill Keating, who is not a gun-friendly congressman from Massachusetts. Uh, In fact, I believe, if if I'm not mistaken, he's co-sponsored some anti-gun legislation uh, in the past, but I don't want to put words in his mouth. I I don't know that to be true, but I do know that he is not a gun-friendly politician of wrote his office many times, and I get a form letter back saying, join with me as we fight the NRA and fight for, you know, peace and safety on the streets by taking your guns away. <laughs> and it's just unbelievable. But uh, you, you bring up a good point, Nurse Dan, and that is that the Bill of Rights, the congressional rights, the civil rights, these are all rights given to us by our creator and endowed by our creator. And guess what? They are unalienable. They are something that you cannot attach. You cannot put conditions on. They are unconditional, and they are uh, a right that has been penned on paper to be preserved for all of time. And a lot of people have said that the Second Amendment is the one that protects all the rest. And I think that they are 100% correct, especially when you look at 
what happened in Australia with the internment camps during uh, the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera, where people were just ordered onto uh, buses and shipped out to these facilities and told, don't get off the porch or you'll be given a $5,000 fine. So basically they were, uh, in, you know, they were put into government uh, lockup facilities for a duration of time against their will. And that didn't happen in America. It started to happen in Canada a little bit. Um, it definitely happened in Australia. It happened in China to the point where they barricaded doors from the outside and basically locked people in their apartments and caused many people to die, et cetera, et cetera. But that didn't happen in America. And I think people would have a much harder road to hoe, if you will, if they want to take away your Fourth Amendment rights, take away your uh, First Amendment rights, take away your, uh, you know, 14th Amendment rights. Because of the Second Amendment, that complicates that process. So you have that going for you. Uh, 508-444-2120. Tell us what you think about that. Uh, We're going to answer some of your questions here. Um, But uh, Austin, Jay Austin wants to know if uh, I've noticed a smoother concealed carry license process post-Bruin. Are there a lot of non-resident LTCs coming through for my class. I haven't noticed a lot of non-residents coming for LTC classes, but I do know that um, that the process has, I think, got smoother in that you can no longer arbitrarily deny someone their license to carry. So in other words, if you're not a prohibited person, then you will be issued a license. However, the Attorney General and um, Department of Justice, if you will, or whatever the heck it is in Massachusetts, uh, the Department of Public Safety, has said that they are keeping the suitability criteria for chiefs to basically rule if you are not suitable, then you will be denied a license to carry. So I think that you will be, the the state is going to be rife with lawsuits if chiefs do elect to do that. But we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens and uh, we'll have, you know, it'll be, it'll be very curious to see how things play out if chiefs continue to have this discretionary suitability uh, power. I don't think that's going to, um, be the case. But anyway, uh, we'll see how it goes. I don't know if it's sped up the process or smoothed out the process. It's made things a little easier in that you don't need to put references and you don't need to put reasons why, um, even though they still ask you. Um, but they're not going to be able to deny you if you don't. So anyway, uh, GWeb says, for what it's worth, I follow a channel on IG that had their account removed and they recently got it back. Maybe you could have a chat uh, with them about their work in Southern California and get insight into how they accomplished it. Yeah, please send me their info. That would be great. I also noticed a couple other uh, guys I follow as well that had similar situation. And I've gone down the rabbit hole about there's companies that have started that can, they say that they can get your account back. You'd pay them a lot of money to do it, uh, which leads me to think that there's some sort of, racket going on with meta employees can't prove it 
and I don't have firsthand knowledge of it, and I'm sure everybody involved would deny it, but if they take your account down and you can pay another third-party company to get it restored, but your appeals fall on deaf ears, it kind of, you can kind of make the connection. You can close the loop that uh, maybe there is someone on the take saying, yeah, charge them 5000 bucks. we'll split it, I'll restore their account, we'll go on the merry way, and we'll do it again in a year or so. Anyway, we'll see how that all works out. Don't forget about Veterans Top Shot Invitational. There's still some openings. It sold out last year. Uh, it's happening this Saturday. So if you're listening to this on the air, it's too late for you. But uh, it's a great way to support local veterans' charities. Go to topshotinvitational.com and sign up because we want to see you there. And sign up with your squad if you want to have a foursome. Come shoot with us this Saturday, September 10th. And uh, this is Rapid Fire. We'll be right back. Involved in something like this, the stress level, it can tear up a family. He said he was tried in the court of public opinion before he ever stepped foot in a courtroom, but surveillance video helped shed light on what actually happened. 50-year-old Ford employee Billy Cowart was charged with attempted murder for shooting his gun in the United Auto Workers 551 parking lot in June 2016. To have everything you worked for taken away. Cowart was suspended and then terminated from his job with Ford where he had worked for nearly two decades. To have somebody have your back and have a company that have your back and then they put me in touch with a great attorney. That was the best feeling. You want the best, you got to pay for it. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And... I am happy to have on the line with us, Bobby. Go ahead, Bobby. You're live on Rapid Fire. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. No so I've been listening to your show, mm-hmm. and I appreciate the way you guys do your thing. So I went down to the Cape this weekend, and I said to my wife, I have to go down to the store. <laughs> and we went down to your place because I was very inter- interested in the insurance that you were talking about. Uh, recently uh, um, with the person that, you know, uh, how do I say that? The insurance, like God forbid, if you have to shoot somebody. Right. So I really, I really wanted more information. I walked into your store and I talked to three different people and my God, they were all like fantastic. And on top of it, my wife was sitting in the corner and there was a retired officer that was talking to her. That was somebody that worked for your store. And she was like, he's like the nicest guy. (laughs) Nice. So I got more information than I wanted to. Plus, it it just, your employees, and I would want to think that they're more than employees. 
the way they acted and the way they talked, you should be really, really happy. And I said to one of the one of the people that work for you, I said, everything comes from the top. And he agreed with me. So I'm not trying to flatter you, <laughs> but it's flattering that they agree with what I had to say because I'm a businessman myself. Oh, well, thanks for the kind words, Bobby, and the feedback. That is nice to hear. And uh, I definitely could not do it without the great team that we have here. And, uh, you know, people who like to come to work every day and uh, support the Second Amendment makes it makes it my job that much easier. I will have to toot my own horn for a second, uh, and that is that the Cape Cod Times ran a best of with the uh, – with the uh, and thanks for the call again, Bobby. I appreciate that. They just ran a you know the best of. It's an annual thing they do, and they have best restaurant, best you know uh, event you can do on Cape Cod in the summer. Best of this, best of that, and we actually were found to be the winner of the best company to work for on Cape Cod from ten to a hundred employees. And I tell you one thing: you want to talk about blown oh, away. My, I was actually very impressed by that because. It's not something I nominated myself for. Like, I didn't even know it was happening. And then all of a sudden, we got awarded this. Uh, we were the winner of the best employer from 10 to 100 employees. And I was actually in Hawaii when I saw it go through on social media, and I was blown away. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate those kind words. I do have a great team. These guys enjoy what they do. They come to work every day, ready to help, ready to uh you know, be there for the new shooter and the and the veteran shooter alike. And, you know, any convert we can make on the Second Amendment community-wise. In other words, I say a lot, we expand the tent stakes and we welcome more people into the 2A community. That's a win. That preserves our rights for years to come. So it's, it's really uh, an exciting uh, industry to be in, even though it has a high barrier to entry. Um, but we're happy to be here, and thanks for coming down and making the drive. Um, that's that's I don't take that lightly. I know a lot of people out there uh, have stores and do a great job, so I'm humbled that you would come down and, and visit, and I'm glad you and your wife had a good time. Um, so anyway, thanks so much for that. Uh, 500 says, Toby, what are your thoughts on 357 SIG? And that's an interesting round. I think it's a... It's a round that is, let's, you know, it's basically a nine millimeter on steroids. So it's a 40 caliber case that's necked down to nine millimeters. So the 40 caliber is necked down to 0.357, like we were talking about earlier. And it's called a bottleneck cartridge. And so as a result, it generates a lot of energy and a lot of muzzle uh, velocity and, you know, good power on the Taylor knockdown factor scale. Um, it's, it's a, it's a beast of a round. The only problem I have is rounds like that generate a lot of recoil. So I still think that, you know, nine millimeter is a better decision for me to carry an everyday carry because, um, I can get round more rounds down range in a shorter amount of time, you know, just through efficiency of, uh, science, if you will, uh, than I can with 357 SIG. I also think it's kind of a round that has fallen on hard times. So the 40 cal has fallen on really hard times. Police departments in droves are shifting away from it. 
and the 357 is a derivative sig is a derivative of the 40 uh s and w and it's hanging on by a thread so uh sig just out of their own sheer uh stubbornness refuses to let it go which whatever they still fill a very niche industry um but it's definitely uh hanging on by a thread it is not a very popular round these days there's not many new manufacturers uh making guns that shoots that right from the factory uh i think even sig you have to buy like a barrel conversion etc cetera, etc cetera. but um it's a cool round but you know, it's kind of like dog breeds, right? Like you hear vets and stuff saying, we don't need any more dog breeds. We just need people to adopt these mutts from those shelters. Uh, so they get indignant about new breeds. Um, but I do think there's room for uh, new calibers. I'm not that pragmatic about it. Um, uh, like 300 Blackout, I'm a big fan of that. That came out in the last, whatever, 10 or 7 to 10 years. And I'm a, a big fan of that. Um, but we'll see where calibers go. It's 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 been interesting. Like you see uh, some of the more recent ones, like 6.5 Creedmoor is not that new. It's actually been around a while, but it has this huge following because of the precision rifle sport and long-range precision rifle kind of industry and and competition that's come about. Uh, and then they came out with the six millimeter Creedmoor. And now there's like the six millimeter arc and a bunch of new calibers and whatnot. And I, you know, I, I might jump on the bandwagon of one of them. I did just get a six millimeter arc, but I don't have a single box of ammo in the shop to, to try it out and test it. One of the calibers that I like that have come out is the 30 super carry. Um, and I like that because when you take a single stack gun, like a, uh, Smith and Wesson, M&P Shield Easy. It's an eight-round magazine, but when you go to the 30 Super Carry, it's a 10-round mag. So I love that in restricted states. Hopefully someday we never have to worry about this, but the fact that um, we we have to still talk about magazine capacity as it relates to 10-round limits, um, you know, that's, it's one of those things. But uh, I do like the 30 Super Carry. That's probably one of the most recent calibers to come out. Um, and it's, I think, a great round. Then there was the Renaissance or resurgence of all these straight wall cartridges, like the 4570. As soon as some of the Midwest states made it legal to hunt with a centerfire rifle caliber, as long as it's not a bottlenecked cartridge, if it's a straight wall cartridge, you can use it for hunting deer. I wish Massachusetts would take the lead and do the, uh, you know, take the cue and do this as well. We're still a shotgun only state for deer hunting, but um, so now some other calibers have cropped up, like 350 Legend and uh, 450 Bushmaster and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it's kind of neat to see this come come down the pipeline. And actually, Smith and Wesson just came out with the X Frame Revolver in 350 Legend. So it, it kind of creates this new environment for some new guns for the gun nerds like myself and uh, out there. And uh, but I would never probably go ever carry a 357 Sig, but maybe someday I'll own one. And every once in a while, we get someone comes in and goes, "Do you have anything in 357 Sig?" Like I got a couple boxes of ammo and and this one Sig 250 uh, that got traded in. And I'll sell it to you for 300 bucks. I'll take it. All right, cool, great. You know, (laughs) so anyway, there you go. Um, 
and 500 says, you got to love the 1911. The 45 ACP is legendary for two world wars. I do love the 1911. And uh, it's it's a great gun. I would never carry one as an everyday carry gun again. Uh, but I did for 15 years carry one. Um, and I love, I'm wearing the Nighthawk Customs hat right now. Free, free uh, shout out to them because I love their guns. In fact, that Colt Combat Commander that's sitting on my desk, um, I sent down to them and they did their whole, uh, they tricked it out Nighthawk style. And um, I do love it. The 10 millimeter would be maybe the exception of that rule. I might be willing to carry a 10 millimeter 1911 Nighthawk. If I ever went on like a salmon fishing trip on the rivers of, you know, Alaska or something like that, I, I would definitely, next time I go to Alaska, I will be taking a 10 millimeter instead of a, a 40 S and W, which is basically the 10 millimeter Magnum, if you will. It's the 10 millimeter on, it's the 40 S and W on steroids, but uh, especially with the uh, with the tumble on impact ammo, the Fort Scott munitions. So, anyway, something like that. But or you could get some really good, you know, bonded jacketed hollow points. Uh, the spear stuff is good. Um, the golden saber, you know, the federal HSTs and stuff. That would also be really really effective in bear country. So um, there you have that. But the fifty. Beowulf is the AR on our wall. Yeah, we used to have that. I converted it over to 450 Bushmaster uh, because uh, I couldn't get the 50 Beowulf ammo anymore. And then I just finally got a ton of it. So I have some in stock, which is really, really rare to get. It's a 400 grain bullet, which is huge out of an AR platform. It's a monster of a bullet. And um, I have the 450 Bushmaster on the rental wall now because... I have a whole lot more of that ammo than the 50 Beowulf. So um, we do have some 590A1s in stock. KJ, I have the really nice Marine one with, um, you know, the Marine finish with the Magpul uh, M-Lock handguard on it. So it's a pretty cool, um, or maybe not a Magpul, but the M-Lock handguard. So you can put a vertical foregrip or angled foregrip or a light or a laser or whatever. But it's a great gun. Um so there you go. <laughs> Michael says the 22 air splitten Loudon boomer air 10. Yes. Uh, I have a couple of those too. the air 10, uh, which is definitely a, uh, ear splitter. Uh, I don't know what it, the 50 BMG neck down to a 22 40 grain. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is that really a thing? The, uh, 22 ear, ear splitting Loudon boomer. That would be interesting if they ever neck down a 50 BMG to 22, 40 grain. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, yeah, and 500 Magnum says, I wish the 22 TCM would catch on. That is a weird-looking round, I got to say. It's basically a 9mm neck down to a 22, so it's uh, pretty powerful, and it's a screamer. It's a, it's a cool round. Uh, it's not going to catch on around here anytime soon because no one's sending them to be tested uh, but hopefully when the assault weapons ban and the approved weapons roster go away, we'll get some of those. But if you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license, we still have regularly scheduled LTC classes, multiple classes per week, including ladies only and couples classes coming up. So sign up at capegunworks.com and we will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. Voltec VT10i. 
It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, keyed entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. Get yours at VoltecSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoltecSafe. show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. I'm Toby Leary, your host, and thanks for joining us. Um, we appreciate all the uh, questions, and if you want to be a part of the show, you can always call us at 508-444-2120. You can text us or leave a message, and uh, we will get to your question. Uh, so we're just going through your, the questions on the chat line here. Um, uh, G-Webs is talking about uh, riding shotgun with Charlie. There's a lot of banter about that. Charlie Cook, who um, has a YouTube channel, Riding Shotgun with Charlie. And that's how G-Webs found our radio show, was the interview that we did with uh, with Charlie. And he has some great content, not to mention his, um, his gun grams. He's a trumpet player, and he uses all the percussion parts with his Glock firearm. And he'll, you can have him do whatever song you want, dedicate it to somebody who's having an anniversary birthday or whatever needs a, a good reason to smile that day and he'll play a song for you and you send it and it's pretty great. Um, so it's a really unique uh, service he offers there. Um, but let's see, getting back to your questions. Uh, Michael was talking about that caliber and he's right. I found it on Wikipedia, the 22 ear split and loud and boomer. Uh, I don't think it sounds like that for some strange reason, but you got to Google it and look at it. And uh, it's definitely humorously named. I guess it's been around for a while, since the 1960s. Uh, and it's intended solely to exceed 5,000 uh, feet per second at the muzzle, which is crazy. And uh, Bob Hutton... Uh, Oh, it was invented by P.O. Ackley, and he loads only managed 4,600 foot per second uh, loads firing 50 grain bullets. And it's based on, it's not the 50 BMG, it's based on a 378 Weatherby Magnum case. The case is impractically over capacity for the bore diameter, so the cartridge remains a curiosity. What they used to call wildcat cartridges, and you can get some people that are really go down the rabbit hole about, um, you know, wildcat cartridges. They're very, very, uh, you know, geeky type of 
what do you call it, gun guys that load their own, they fire form their own brass and et cetera. So it's pretty interesting though. Um, thank God it's not a 50 BMG that's necked down to a 22 because that could be, sounds dangerous. Sounds like a hand grenade if you ask me. But <laughs> um, So we got some good news, guys. And that is that there are about 400 million guns in circulation in America, according to uh, the Wall Street dot com uh, special report. So we have an amazing amount of guns being sold every month still, record-breaking levels, and uh, there's been a small downward turn, but it doesn't look like anyone's taking their foot off the gas anytime soon. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's an election year. We got midterms. We got a political environment that is hostile to gun ownership and is at every corner pledging to take our guns away or, you know, prohibit us from owning certain types of firearms. And, you know, it's it's just amazing that that's the way it goes. But, uh, you know, that's, that's the way they look at us. So anyway, um, it looks like so far in the first eight months of 2022, gun background checks by the FBI hit 20, almost 21 million, uh, which is down over the same period of last year, but it still breaks several years of upward trend. So the same period a year ago was 27, almost 28 million guns in the first eight months. Uh, but the first eight months of 2022, still 21 million gun transfers and changes. Now that doesn't necessarily mean, um, that all of them were new sales, but it does mean that it is a transfer to some extent, whether it's private sale in some states that have universal background checks or it's a uh, sale from out of state to a dealer for transfer to somebody else. It could also be somebody uh, drops a collection of guns off and then um, to sell and then changes their mind so they go back and get their own guns back. That is also a background check that would be in that data. Um, But I would say the vast majority of them are new gun sales. Uh, So in 2006, which I believe was, uh, is that Sandy Hook era? 2006? No, 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 no. that was way before that. But 2006, um, there was 10 million in that same eight month period. So it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, in 15 million in 2010, and now we're up over 20 million in the first eight months. So there you go. The biggest hit was in 2020 with 39.6 million transfers and background checks in 2020. So still banner level years. Um, And now inventory has started to come back. So that's good. Um, The other thing I wanted to talk about was we had, there was an attack in Canada in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, where I went a few years ago, the deer hanging on the wall, I shot up in uh, Canada, in Saskatchewan, actually. And uh, it seems to be a very peaceful community. But um, unbelievably, there was this mass stabbing event where 
two men uh, went out and killed 10 people and injured another 15 across multiple crime scenes in uh, Saskatchewan. And this is interesting as there are a lot of people who own guns in that area of the country. uh, But, you know, uh, Justin Trudeau said that you do not have a constitutional right to defend yourself with a firearm in Canada. So I don't know if that played into this, but uh, these guys, um, you know, went after people with something as an efficient killing tool as a knife. And I tell you, that's a terrifying um, type of attack. Um, I would say it's even probably more terrifying than being shot at from a distance with a firearm uh, because, you know, when you're in that close, I, I don't want to be within two arms reach of somebody if if I can prevent it, uh, if they're ever trying to attack me. Um, and, you know... Unfortunately for the people of Canada, they don't have a right to defend themselves with firearms. And so, you know, it was a horrible event and horrible tragedy. Um, So, you know, this is something that's happened in London, England a lot as well. And uh, I know that one of the suspects were found and uh, the other brother was um, is still on the lam. And I think uh, one of the suspects was dead, found dead. Um, but the other one was still on the lam. I don't know if they've found him yet, but it's a horrible, horrible story. And, uh, you know, it certainly paints a vivid picture of uh, having a gun to defend yourself is a very good tool. Uh, And like Bill Whittle said in the first hour, for the 80-year-old lady or the 80-pound lady who has to defend herself against three giant, violent criminals. Uh, Does she have a right to defend herself? And yes, if she does, then the gun is the tool to do it with. So um, I would would say that country is doing their people a a grave disservice by not allowing uh, them to carry a gun. All right, let's see. uh, Aaron says, I have a Smith & Wesson 9EZ. Can I use the new... Super Carry 30 in the same magazine, or do I have to get all new magazines? You actually need to get a new gun, Aaron, because it's a totally different caliber. The, the 30 Super Carry is a di- total, entirely different caliber. Um, it's 30 caliber, similar to like a 30 carbine, uh, but so it's a lot smaller diameter. That's why you get extra capacity in the same size gun, but it's definitely not used in that gun. So um, don't get confused caliber specific it's very caliber specific um i actually have a bunch of 30 super carry in in the shop and i've got some great reps down range with it um with the nighthawk president i did sell that gun but it, it is a phenomenal cartridge that i like for band states or magazine state you know capacity states so there you go anyway um gwebs dropped the youtube link in the description for anyone who wants to see the interview with him and charlie cook i have to see that myself and uh i'm sure it's a great interview and uh let's see what is the best overall revolver caliber i'm biased because i love them all well it depends what you're trying to do um it's a great question magnum but um the greatest the best overall revolver if i had one revolver to own 
If it was for defensive purposes, I would probably go with the 327 Federal because it shoots three different calibers, 327 Federal, um, 32 H&R, Magnum, and the 32 Smith & Wesson, you know, um, so you can kind of shoot three different calibers through it, uh, or the 32 Wad Cutter, and you get an extra round. So in other words, in the same size revolver, say like a Ruger SP-101, you get six shots instead of five in the 357 mag. But I do like the 357 mag as well. I have the 357 Magnum in a SP-101, hammerless, uh, highly polished SP-101 with a two-inch barrel. And I love that gun. I used to carry it a lot. I don't carry it so much anymore. Uh, but there you go. Um, Spelling error says, my arm is recovering from a minor injury. Am I able to bench rest at your facility with an adjustable stool? Do you have a rest? Sure, absolutely. Just talk to the guys. They'll get you a stool and a, you know, a seat so you can, you can go ahead and bench rest. Absolutely. We even have some foam blocks, if you will, that you can rest on. A lot of people do it when they're sighting in, uh, etc. So... And Vinny wants to know what the best website to watch Rapid Fire is. And I would say go to rapidfireradio.us or kickgunwitch.com. You can see it there. You can also watch it on any of the places we live stream when we're live. Check out the feed. So, yeah, they're all basically the same feed, though. So, wherever you... Kickgunworks is good because there's no sensors. You can see some of the specials we're running. You can add some stuff to the cart and shop during the breaks and use our discount code on checkout. So just a little pro tip there, Vinny. Uh, cha-ching. <laughs> yes, I'm trying to up the sales of the website. That is a goal of ours for 2021. So there you have it. Uh, we have Action Pistol League is back, and I'm a man of my word. Join us Tuesdays for this friendly competition that is open at all levels. There'll be a prize each night and it's grand prize at the end of the summer. So go to capegunworks.com and click on the class calendar to sign up each Tuesday. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire. Made in America since 1949. Family owned and operated legendary performance this is hornady federal ammunition is 100 this is where the american ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit hard work united with patriotism and technology blended with new ideas that's federal ammunition right here in anoka minnesota born in 1922 made in america and proud to be the best Federal ammunition, a century of innovation, and we're only getting started. SnapSafe, featuring a pry-resistant 316-inch solid steel door, 2300-degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense, and all about you guys. So we've been talking about your, taking your questions in the chat, 
and conversing very nicely and pleasantly about the things that interest us the most around the topic of firearms. So um, the KJ is weighing into the revolver debate and he says, Smith & Wesson Model 19, 357, two and a half inch barrel in nickel, best revolver. So there you have it. That ends the debate. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like, that's why I got to know what the context of the gun is for collecting purposes, for competition purposes, for everyday carry, for it's a cool gun. Uh, you know, I mean, how can you, like, not love the Colt single action army and all of the variants around it, like the Ruger Vicero and the, um, all the Italian made ones, they're, they're awesome. They're just beautiful. They're pleasing to the eye and they have so much variety and so much nuance. They're the gun that won the wild West. I mean, come on, how do you not like that? And then you got things like the modern era of revolvers where like you got the snake pistols, all the Colt pythons and the anacondas and the troopers and the, Diamondback and et cetera, et cetera. And how do you not love all those guns? But I will say, I'm not a big revolver guy. I have a few. Um, I love the Korth ones that are imported by Nighthawk. But if I was to start collecting revolvers, and this would be a very expensive sport to do, but I would go for the Merwin and Hulbert. I think that is probably my favorite revolver and i'm in good company because it was wyatt earp's favorite revolver it was his personal off-duty carry we all know him for the bunt line like the colt single action army with the 10 inch barrel the bunt line special which was kind of the precursor to the billy clubs like he used it to he as he called it buffalo people over the head with the barrel to take them down to the hooskow um so that was his thing but he really liked the merwin and halbert and I am a Merwin and Hulbert geek. I don't own any. I've had several come through the shop. And they're beautiful and gorgeous. And the thing that blows my mind is they are a feat of engineering in an era before we had modern technology, computers, in some cases even electricity. Like these were made in the late 1800s. And they were made by master craftsmen, by uh, pistol smiths that were master engineers prior to the Industrial Revolution that made one of the most unique guns that are just feats of engineering. If you don't know anything about the Merwin and Hulbert, you got to check one out. And the internet doesn't even do it great justice unless you watch a video on YouTube. But if you go to Wikipedia, it's not going to help much. But these guns, like, you push a button and they twist and then they slide out. And the rounds that have been fired, the empty brass fall out of the cylinder. But if you haven't shot them, they stay in the cylinder. Like, how do you do that? There's like this vacuum technology it's the craziest stuff but you got to check it out and uh revolvers are cool there's so much nuance in revolvers it'll make a collector out of anyone so uh there you go but if you travel or you want to get a license to carry in multiple states you got to check out our utah 36 state concealed carry class 
You get everything you need to apply for the Utah license at the end of the class. Go to capegunworks.com and click on the class link to sign up for the class today. And we will be right back. You are listening to Rapid Fire. become all the rage these days. Apparently the mainstream media has gotten all over this term and they're really misinterpreting what it means. And there's something that you need to know as a responsibly armed American. Constitutional carry simply allows you to carry a gun without a permit. That's it. It does not vacate your responsibility of what you're going to do with that gun. Remember you are responsible for every action you take and certainly every round that comes out of that muzzle. And constitutional carry doesn't take that away. So when we're arguing with anti-gunners who are complaining that constitutional carry makes the world less safe, let's remind them that whether a state has constitutional carry or an over-the-top requirement for you to get your concealed carry permit, none of that takes away your responsibility when you're dealing with a firearm. You will be held accountable for your actions as every responsibly armed American should be. So make sure you get the proper training and you know your laws so you're doing the right thing. I'm Kevin Michalowski, editor of Concealed Carry Magazine. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. Toby Leary, your host, and we are going to jump right back to your questions. Um, So if you want to be a part of the show, you can call uh, 508-444-2120 or text us or leave a message and we'll get to your uh, question. Um, But we're talking in the chat about revolvers. Uh, 500 says, I absolutely love the Colt Python and Anaconda. Man, I wish I could afford them. Me too. And uh, that's the problem with revolvers is which one do you collect? Because you could just really go down the rabbit hole pretty hard and be a poor and broke man for the next 20 years of your life. Um, But that's just the way it is. Uh, That's why I've never been a collector, although I'm starting to build up some stuff. I did buy that uh, HKP7 in the nickel finish. And it's not the P7M8 like I like. But it is a collector gun because of the nickel finish. It was only made in a year, a certain year. And it's considered the finest firearm that HK ever made or the most accurate. It was given an unlimited budget by the engineers. Um, they've had their problems, funny enough, uh, especially the K3s and the 380 with the 22 conversions, which are just a super cool concept, if you ask me. But some of the uh, recoil springs and the pistons have broken over time and the firing pins and extractors, etc. But they are just a super sexy gun um, as far as a semi-automatic is concerned. 1911 will always, you know, kind of be... They've almost... You almost have to retire them as the as the champ because there's never been another semi-automatic gun that is going to have the record of... Um, length in service as the 1911 to this day it is still one of the most popular guns so we can go ahead and crown them the champion of all time however i think they have um kind of 
I don't know, taken a set, a backseat as far as a, a primary defensive gun is concerned. They still dominate on a lot of competitive markets in the competition circuit, et cetera. Um, and uh, 500 says that's his favorite uh, semi-automatic, you know, which, again, so I think we need to take them out of the equation uh, because that would be unfair to compare any other gun against them, which has had, I mean, they were in our country's service from 1911 until 1986. So nothing is ever going to have that kind of a run ever again. Um, but tell us what you think. Call or text 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. Um, 500 also says the Desert Eagle is awesome. Yeah, it's a great, cool novelty firearm. So unless you're one of the agents in the Matrix, I think you're probably not going to be using that gun as your everyday carry. Um, but it is a cool gun, and I would love to be able to sell them in Massachusetts. Uh, there's just some neat novelty, nuanced firearms out there, like the Desert Eagle. You know, there's other stuff out there that are just wild, wild guns. But Jay Austin says earlier I mentioned my AR pistol in 300 blackout with a suppressor. You bought a suppressor for that exact pistol and the tax stamp for it. Still waiting on tax stamp, sadly, applied for Form 4 online. Well, that's too bad. I heard that things got smoothed out because everything's done online. So three to six weeks, I was told, is what your expected wait time is. Um, but anyway, uh, you never know. I've heard longer lead times than that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Spellin wants to know if I have any 35 Remington ammo without taking a mortgage on his house. Any contacts, please and thanks. I don't have any, but if somebody in the chat has some, they can drop it in. Uh, unfortunately, that's a tough caliber to come across. We do come across that type of caliber every once in a while. But some Someone will bring in a collection of guns, and it has some ammo with it, but unfortunately, we don't have any right there. Um, and um, that 300 blackout I was talking about is actually an SBR J. Austin. It's not a pistol, but... Um, I have two. Actually, I have three. One is a, uh, they're all integrally suppressed. One is actually a machine gun, a post sample, a post 86 dealer sample that we made. And that's fun to shoot. Um, we also have the Spikes Tactical Compressor, which is kind of my favorite. Uh, and the Honey Badger Q is also awesome. So if you did it the way you did it, where you bought the pistol, and then you're applying for the tax stamp. I assume it has the shorter handguard and the suppressor will be outside the handguard, which is not a bad way to go. Um, I ended up with the integrally suppressed SBR, um, which does nobody any good in Massachusetts, unfortunately. If it wasn't for us being a licensed manufacturer, we wouldn't even be able to have suppressors in the building. So there you have that. Um, what is, uh, oh, and thank you, G. Webbs. He made a clip of the interview with Bill Whittle and dropped it into the chat. That's great. We're going to share that out as well. We'll share it with Bill Whittle so he can share it out wherever he does his social media stuff. So um, what do I think, who, who do I think makes the better budget revolver, Taurus or Rock Island Armory? And unfortunately, I don't have any experience with Rock Island Armory other than their semi-automatics. And... I've seen their pistols. They're very heavy and clunky, and they're almost like an investment cast. Not an investment cast, but like a 
MIP or whatever the process is of uh, injecting metal to cast it. Um, I guess it is similar to an injecting cast cast process, but it almost feels like a pot metal to me, and it's very heavy. I would, I'm not a big fan of that feel of a gun, especially in a revolver where I think it should be a higher-end product. And um, so for that reason, I'd err towards the Taurus, although a lot of their revolvers have horrific triggers and just, you know, very, very heavy. I'm talking 14 to 16, 18-pound double-action triggers. And once you start getting... Uh, spoiled by really good quality guns like uh, pythons have kind of been the gold standard for triggers right out of the box for a while Uh, but now i'm into these korth revolvers and the trigger on those things is just nothing other than extraordinary i mean it is just a buttery ball bearing double action trigger and you can adjust the break point of that trigger uh, you can send it back to them and they can, uh, to Nighthawk and they can adjust where the trigger breaks. So they're just butter. Um, so anyway, uh, oh, so six months is what you're waiting on that. That's crazy. Um, for the, uh, online application for that suppressor. Well, hopefully it comes in soon, but anyway, uh, <laughs> 500 says I, your brother actually carries a desert Eagle and 50 action express. He must be a big boy um, because that is a monster gun and completely and utterly unnecessary, if you ask me. Uh, (laughs) I think that's an overcompensation, but I'm just saying I don't want to get in trouble. But uh, just saying a little bit. Um, I don't I don't know why anyone would do that, but uh, I want efficiency and I get the propensity to like big calibers. I love big calibers for, you know, shooting on the range, for the boom of it, the concussion of it. I always have people stand up, you know, just behind the muzzle of the gun, but to the side of where the, eject, you know, the muzzle brake ports are. Even on a 50 BMG, I kind of line them right up with those eject, uh, muzzle ports so they can feel the whole shock and awe of these massive calibers. And I love it, but it's... um. It's not really necessary for everyday carry. Just saying. Just throwing that out there, but there you go. Along the same vein of the revolver question, is there even a good budget revolver? If you have a Korth revolver, can you answer this truthfully? Um, yeah, I would say a budget re- revolver would be like a Ruger LCR, uh, Smith & Wesson 442. There's nothing wrong with those guns. Those are very, very good guns. Uh, it gets outside of what I would consider a budget revolver, but if I was ever going to go back to carrying a revolver tomorrow, I would carry like the 351 PD or the 351 C. It's a Smith & Wesson 22 Magnum with seven shots. I like the little bit of extra capacity and the lower recoil for the same reason I like 9mm efficiency, getting multiple rounds on target in the shortest amount of time. So... There you have it. That's the way I, I have it. And sorry, Alan, I'm not going to be able to answer what the process for an FFL is because it's a lot more than a suppressor. But it takes about a year, year and a half, totally all in. Uh, maybe not that long, but anyway, there you have it. Uh, but we could help you with that another time. Thanks for listening, guys. This is the end of the show. You can always go on rapidfireradio.us and get extra content. 
You can call in or text the Rapid Fire line to 508-444-2120. Keep up the good fight. Support your local community, your 2A community. Be a gun advocate in your area. Put on the face of responsible gun ownership. And together as Americans, we can overcome anything. I'm Toby Leary, and God bless. We'll see you next time. This is Rapid Fire.